y'all, it's DJ Envy. And I am Gia Casey. And it's another edition of the Casey Crew. Welcome. Hello, 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 beautiful people. And it's less than two weeks away from this book coming out. Real Life, Real Love, Gia Casey, DJ Envy. If you haven't pre-ordered, please pre-order so you can get it on the time of release, which is April 19th. Now, um, last podcast, I got a chance to ask Gia a bunch of questions that I just wanted to know. I felt that you guys might want to know. So I interviewed Gia. So today's podcast is you interviewing me. My get back. <laughs> so um, like I said, if you haven't, please pre-order the book. Uh, it's, it's something for everybody. If you're in a relationship, you want to be in a relationship, things to do, things not to do. I think it's, it's, it's very open, honest and open. So definitely pre-order. So, well, let's not waste any time. We'd like to welcome DJ Envy into the studio. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for asking. So let's get this ball rolling. First, I'd like to know, why did you write the book? Um, I was at home during the pandemic. It was nothing to do. My wife was like, yo, let's write a book. So I'm like, you target. Let's write a book. You want to write a book? I want to write a book. You wrote a book. Next interview. <laughs> Who else do we have on the docket? No. Um, I'm going to be a real, I'm, 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 you're not my wife. I'm just going to be a real celebrity. As opposed to a fake celebrity. Yes. <laughs> so uh, actually I wrote, we wrote the book because uh, there was so many people that came up to us all the time about, uh, they were in relationships. Hold uh, on, I'm sorry. Just answer the questions normally. Like, like this, like, can you not be in interview mode? That's who I am. No, just answer the question. Last time you told me how I'm going to ask the question. Now you're going to tell me how I'm going to answer the question? Yes, because you're on Hollywood mode. I just want you to answer the questions earnestly like we're having a conversation. Don't cut me off because I will walk out. <laughs> it's okay. I have um, Tigger on the docket coming up next. Who? Tigger. Who's that? No, I'm just kidding. Just have to Tigger. All right, let me go. All right. So honestly, so we wrote the book because... So many people came up to us all the time that were in relationships and they know that Guy and I have been together for 27 years, married for 21. And they wanted to know how, you know, what made, what's the juju? What's the source? How did y'all stay together so long through the ups and downs? How? And that was the reason why we started the podcast to explain just different things in our relationship. And the book was an extension of that. Uh, we got deeper into it, uh, deeper into situations. It allowed us to uh, open ourselves up to figure out why we did what we did. Uh, for instance, why I was insecure, uh, why I reacted the, the way that I reacted on certain things, whether it was uh, the conversations on cheating, whether it's the conversations on suicide, whether it's the conversation on raising our kids and the sex life. It gave us a chance to, to, to do a deep dive into it and hopefully help other couples in the same journey. That, and that's really the reason why we decided to write it. So just now and on this podcast and as you mentioned also in the book, you refer to insecurity almost famously. Uh -huh. You talk about it a lot. Clearly that is in some way, shape or form at the root of a lot of the, the decisions that you've made. Uh -huh. um, so I'm going to kind of come from left field and ask this question. Did you only feel insecure in your relationship or did you feel insecure in life as a whole? I felt insecure in life as a whole. Mm. If you read the book, you, 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 if you get the book, you'll see we break down of why I felt insecure. I always talk about it 
in high school, as I always say, I, I think it's funny. I wasn't the cat's meow, as my mom would say, right? I had glasses, I had braces, I was short. I wasn't, I was fly with clothes, but I just didn't have swag, I would say. I didn't know what swag was. I was kind of, I don't want to say sheltered, but I I was sheltered. Uh, they used to call me turtle because I was slow. They were not slow as in a person, but in a relationship, it would probably take me six months to get my first kiss. It would probably take me nine months to, to reach for a, a titty. Like that's who I was. Uh, that's, to reach for a titty. That's yes. interesting. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's who I was. Uh, and in my career, I always felt like I had to prove myself harder than anybody else. Um, so when I started DJing, I was always the kid that was from Clue's block that sounded like Clue. Um, I was always the one that, oh, you're the, you're, you're not Clue. You're not Clue. You're Envy. I'd rather take Clue. I was always the, oh, you don't make good enough beats. You don't play basketball good enough. Uh, when I started doing radio, you do radio okay, but it's not good as that person. So I felt in my life, I always had to prove myself against anybody. I had to prove to be, to, I had to show why I was in that building, to show why I was in that room, to show why I was getting the things that I was getting, which made me want to outwork and really, uh, really know my craft. Like when people were out and they were dancing and they were going to clubs and they were chilling with girls, I was in the basement practicing DJing, whether it was battles, I, you were there. I was practicing making beats. I was doing all the things so that if anybody ever tested me, I could be ready for war. Uh, and I do that now. With you. Same thing with the radio. When I first did radio, I remember them saying, no, I wasn't good enough. They tried to take me off the morning show at uh, Hot 97. And you look back now, 13 years of doing the Breakfast Club and in the Radio Hall of Fame. You know, same thing with DJ. And, oh, you'll never you'll never be a DJ. All those DJs that said that right now are probably doing something at their mama's house right now, living it. But I was destined and I was going to make myself make it. So I always felt like I had to prove myself. So I was always insecure. I always wanted to make sure that I was confident with myself before I did anything. So would it be fair to say that you always felt as though you were the underdog? Always felt like I was the underdog. With, to this day, still too. Without that feeling of being the underdog, do you think that you would be as successful as you are now? Would no. it have given you something to triumph no. if you felt accepted and adequate? No, no. I think what motivates me, like certain things motivate certain people. Mm -hmm. Some people it's money. Uh, some people it's fame. Some people it's, it's dudes, men or, or women, depending on what, whatever you like. For mine is the naysayers. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing that makes me go harder than somebody that say I can't. And anytime somebody says that I can't, what I usually do is I take that message or, or I take what they say and I send it to Mercedes. Right. <laughs> and it's a true story. And I'm like, Mercedes, they said we couldn't do it. They, they said we can't do it. And then we sit there and we do it. And that's how I am in life. Mm -hmm. When somebody says I can't, it makes me want to do it more. You can't have that car or watch me get it and then give you the middle finger. You can't have that job. Watch me get it. Give you the middle finger. You can't make that work, whether it's the car show, whether it's our relationship, whatever it is. I do it and then I give you the finger. That's what motivates me. That's my drive. Mm -hmm. um, saying that. Did you ever feel as though you had to prove to people that your relationship or your marriage would work? Do you feel as though there were naysayers about your relationship that you had to triumph and give them the middle finger? Um, absolutely. 
I mean, yeah, a lot of people. I mean, growing up, I, I feel like a lot of people didn't think our relationship would work. I think a lot of people thought I was too immature, which they probably were right. Um, probably. Yeah, they were right. Um, I think they felt like me and you wouldn't work. They felt that it was a, a what do they call it? Puppy love or teenage love. It would only last a, a year or two. Um, so, yeah, that I mean, I felt like I had naysayers from every part of my life to now. Whether it was our relationship, whether it was me DJing, whether it was me working. And why do you think, um, aside from immaturity, people naysayed your relationship with me? Um, Other than immaturity, I don't really know. I honestly don't know. I I guess they felt like we were too young, that you would go to college and meet somebody and I would go to college and meet somebody and that we wouldn't be able to stay together. I don't think most couples were able to stay together. You don't really hear too many stories of somebody staying together from high school to college, graduating and you don't really hear too many of those stories. Mm-hmm. So I think people thought that it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. So you were just talking about being an underdog, mm-hmm. um, being one of your, or your biggest motivator. Correct. Regarding your success. What role do you think the relationship played in your success? In other words, if we weren't together, how do you think your um, career would have ended up? Where do you think you would be today without um, being I, in this relationship? I think my career. I think I would be successful. I don't think I would be as successful. Explain. Um, I think I was always destined to be good, no matter what I did. Like mm. that's who I am as a person. Um, but I think, and I can't talk about all relationships, but in our relationship, you push me to be great. And there's a difference, right? Good is you're good. You know, you're, you know, people give you high fives. You're the best on your block. You know, you're the best in your area. You push me to be the best, not just in my area, not just in New York, not just in New Jersey, not just in the East coast, not just in the West coast, but also you gave me that, that grounding, that real talk, that babe, you're fucking up. You need to do this more. Like that conversation that I think most people are scared to have or that when you get to a certain point, people don't want to have because they don't, they're scared that you're going to cut them off. You're never scared that I'm going to cut you off, of course. But even before we were married, you were just, you were real. Now them jeans look ugly. Take them off. Them sneakers look like space boots. Take them off. You know, um, no, babe, uh, you DJ good, but you're playing the same set. I think you need to change it up. Um, babe, you need to do more homework when it comes to interviewing people. Babe, you need to speak up more. Like all these things were you helping me out in my career, which made me better. And then not only that, you allowed me to, when we had kids, to focus on my career and say, hey, babe, I got the home. I, I got the kids. I got the family. You, you know, perfect your craft. And without that, I don't think I could be great in a lot of things. Mm. So... With the exception of your career, uh-huh. or inclusive of your career, if you want to um, answer that way, where do you think you would be in life period uh-huh. if we had never met? Where would I be in life period? I never transferred to your school. I never transferred to my school. You're a junior at St. Francis Prep. Um, you go to Morehouse. I would probably be in Morehouse. I wouldn't have went to Hampton. And the reason I say that is my parents, my mother pushed Morehouse. Like that was her thing, Morehouse. Um, and why didn't you go to Morehouse? 
Well, one, it was too far from New York and you were a year behind me. So you were in high school in New York. So I can drive six hours, but driving from my house, I would never be able to do it as much. Mm-hmm. So me going to Hampton University made my distance from you shorter mm-hmm. so I can get back to you. Um, but where would I be? I probably would have about 50 cars right now. <laughs> as opposed to 13. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to 13. I probably have 50 cars. Um, and I'd probably be an asshole. Explain. Because I, like I said before, I think you really grounded me. I feel like I feel like with everything, everybody against me, me feeling like the underdog, I think my topic and my take on life would be, fuck you, pay me. Like, I would use people. I would use people. I would use situations. I would probably use women. I would use everybody to my advantage. Mm. And what do you think, besides being an, an underdog, because it has to be a seed for you to develop into that type of person, why do you think that you would have been on that trajectory? Because that's how I feel now sometimes. Ah. I feel like, fuck you. Like, if you didn't support me or you don't ride with me or you got some smart shit to say, I feel like, fuck you. Like, that is my... Like, that is my motivation sometimes when people don't believe. So if you look at, like, I'm trying to think of somebody who's the perfect example. Like, if you think of somebody who everybody counted out and they made it, they kind of have a chip on their shoulder because they feel like mm. nobody supported Kanye West. Perfect yeah. example. Mm-hmm. Um... You know, when Kanye first came out, nobody believed. No, you don't rap good enough. This is not what people are talking about now. Or oh, your beats are just okay. Were you going to support him when he tried to give you his music? No. No. But because of who he was and then when he made it, it makes you feel differently. It almost makes you see it like feel like fuck the world. Because when I came humble trying to... Like, oh, you stuff, love me now. Because Correct. I made it. Correct. But where were you? Absolutely. Like, you weren't with me shooting in the gym. Type. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite part, section, chapter, quote, anything that stands out in the book? What is your favorite part? To me is mm-hmm. uh, the acknowledgement. The acknowledge- you mean the dedication? The dedication, yeah. I said acknowledgement. The dedication from you to your mother. Oh, really? That's your favorite part of the entire book? One of my favorite parts, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because your mother meant so much to you. Uh, she meant so much to us. Mm-hmm. She meant so much to our family. And the fact that she wasn't here to see this book come to fruition and that you dedicate her brings back so many memories that we had with her. And those were great memories. You know, sometimes you think about things and they're not good memories, but I haven't had, there's no bad memories of your mother mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything was lighthearted and fun and happy and go lucky. And it brought me back to that place. Most people don't know that when me and you used to argue, I would call your mother. Me and your mother used to have a, a fuck gear party on the phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but that's what it was, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And, you know, I miss that. Mm-hmm. I miss those fuck gear parties. But, you know, we would have those conversations, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that is something that makes me remember. All those stories that we talk about in the book, you know, I remember, I can live through. But that's one that, you know, it's certain things you just wish she was able to say. Okay. So, what do you want to leave men with that read your book? 
What do you think the biggest takeaway will be for men? I want you to think about this. Yeah, it's easy. Because when people think about books, a lot of times a book about love, they think that it's a book for women. It's cool. Predominantly for women. Um, Do you see men picking up this book? And if so, why should they? What do you think will be their biggest takeaway? How do you think men will be affected by reading this book? Um, Do I see men picking up this book? No. Mm-hmm. Explain. Um, I see women picking up this book. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a love book. It's a mm-hmm. or real life, real love. Do men necessarily care? I don't think as much. Mm-hmm. If this was about uh, making money, I think men would pick that up more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would, what I would want men to think when they look at this interview is, if it wasn't for this relationship, I wouldn't have made any money. Mm-hmm. Right? Or as much. Or be as successful. Or as much. Mm-hmm. Or be as successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, this relationship and our family, and you kept me grounded. You kept me in a position where I could concentrate on me working and me, you know, taking, you know, little mixtape money from back in the day to what we do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always tell everybody, if I wasn't right in my relationship, I don't think I would be as successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know that, that old phrase, uh, what is it? If you don't do right by so and so, you'll never be good. What I don't know what that. What oh, that I don't is. know what you're talking about. Ben's knows. <laughs> Ben's loves black movies. What's that? Movie? If you not, if you don't treat so and so right, you ain't gonna be no good. What, no, you don't know that. Okay, whatever. Somebody out there knows, but that's how I feel. Um, like I feel like a strong foundation and a strong relationship allows you to mm. fight off the demons in the workplace. You know. When black men go out or, or minority men go out or men go out, it's like we're facing a lot out there. You're like, mm-hmm. you're, you're fighting other coworkers, you're fighting racism, you're fighting hate, you're fighting that. And if you don't have a strong foundation at home, that's going to pick you up. That's going to encourage you to work harder. It really stops you. Um, when I talk about my life, I always talk about the one thing that I enjoy is my home, mm-hmm. right? Because when I come home to my wife, that's my safe place to land. That's my... I got beat up all day from whatever it is, from racism, getting pulled over, from feeling like I should be making more than my coworkers, from all the things that I had to deal with before, from, you know, uh, people not hiring me because I wasn't associated with a rapper to this, that, and the other. You were always there to pick me up. You were always there to be my bond. You were always there to be my glue. You was always there to to pat me on my ass and say, baby, things are going to be okay. You were always there for me. If I didn't have that, I don't think I would be where I am. Mm -hmm. In fact, I, I, I know I wouldn't be where I was. So I tell everybody to make sure you have a strong relationship and a strong bond and that money will come. It will come. Mm-hmm. So pick a part of the book mm-hmm. and tell me how you think men would be most strongly affected. Like, what do you think is the biggest lesson for men okay. in the book? I mean, there's, there's a bunch. One, and, and these, these, these answers are going to sound so cheap, but I'm, I'm, I'm explaining them. One is, uh, I would say insecurities and not insecure because I was insecure, but I feel like a lot of times we need to fix ourselves. Right. And, and maybe women too, maybe y'all need to fix yourself too. But for, <laughs> for me, I needed to fix myself to be a better father, to be a better husband, to be a better lover, to be a better friend. Um, I was hurt. I was broken maybe from past, you know, relationships and not relationships as dating, but you know, things that, that I heard or things that I seen from my parents, how I was raised. And those things hurt me in a way that 
wouldn't project me to be a good man, meaning I was so insecure with myself and not feeling that I was worthy, that I was controlling my wife to make sure that nobody could ever see her in a way. You know, that crazy guy that 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 wants to make sure his wife stays in the house and she wears baggy clothes and, and is in a cult because they, you know, scared their wife's going to leave. That was me. Just not that extreme extreme. Could it have gotten that extreme? It could have. Goddamn right. It could have. I was that person. I was like, no, you're not wearing that. What the fuck you wearing that for? Like, are you going to wear? You going to Fourth of July in Miami? Nah, you ain't going. Yes, I am. A word? Well, I'm going too. Like, it was that. Like, I was so controlling and so bad and so into my own insecurities that I I almost lost the best thing that happened to me. And I tell, I tell this to guys all the time that call the radio if they say they got caught cheating or if they say that, you know, they're having a problem in their relationship. And I always say, is what you're doing worth losing the best thing that you could have ever had? If it is, then you don't need to be there. But if you're saying that, damn, if I lose this, I'm going to be hurt and it ain't worth losing it, then don't lose it. I don't know if I answered your question. Did I answer your question? Um, you kind of went around the question. I want to know what would be the biggest takeaway? So, or what's the biggest lesson for said man? Okay. Um, for me, the biggest, like the biggest lesson biggest in the book, yeah, yeah, for them in for, the book. was be, <laughs> there's so many, but I would say the biggest one for me that I learned out writing this book and I learned that our relationship is the real definition of love. Mm. Um, and the reason I say that is we're so quick to be like, I love you. I love you. I love you, babe. Love you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but do we really truly understand what love is? And then when we break down what love means and we realize in our relationship, we didn't necessarily love that person. We thought we loved that person. We weren't showing love. And, you know, there's somebody right there, you know, I love her. But if I really loved her, would I put her through the things that I put her through? Would I hurt her? Whether it was being insecure or being controlling or cheating or, or talking down to her or just being a jerk and a nasty asshole. Do I really love her? Do I love her to, to see pain on her face? So when you break down what love is and we break that down in the book to t and we discuss love and how we feel, it just makes you a better individual because you never want to put the person that you quote unquote love in that position. You never want her to feel that way. You never want her to feel less than. That's your queen at the end of the day. Ladies, that's your king. You want to put your king on a pedestal. You want to put your queen on a pedestal. And if you don't have a relationship like that, why are you even there? So you're basically saying that a lesson would be for men to analyze their definition of love. Absolutely. And act it out. Absolutely. With that being said, what's your definition of love? <sighs> I mean, I gave you some of the rundown, but for me is... No, I don't think you did. I think I did. I think I did. No. Love, love for me is when it comes to you, and this is going to sound so cliche, is treating your spouse, your wife, your woman, your man, the way that you would want to be treated. And I know when I say cliche, like it's, 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 and, that, and that's the simplest way to say it, right? I wouldn't want you to cheat on me. 
So why would I cheat on you? I wouldn't want you to talk down on me. So why would I talk down on you? And as simple as that, that nursery answer, that's honestly what love is to me. That answer, you're basically answering how do you treat a person that you're in love with, mm-hmm. but you're not giving me your definition of love. Hmm. My definition of love. That's like an example of acting it out. Okay. Meaning, I love you, so I will not talk down to you. I love you, so I will treat you with respect. I love you, so I will not lie to you. That's not a definition of love, though. Okay. Well, love to me, when I think about love, I think about not just the physical, because I love the way that you look. You look beautiful. You look amazing. You're smart. I still get butterflies when I think about you. I still get a a, a funny feeling in my stomach when I come home to see you. I still want to, you know, make sure my curtains are down and fix my hair when I walk through that door because I, I love how you look at me. I still have those feelings. Um, love to me is making sure that you're okay physically, emotionally, mentally. Mm, that's an action, though. I mean, I, des- I don't, I don't want to know how you act I describe it through action. Love is, a, love, ah. is, love is an expression that I can't explain. It's just the mm. way that I feel. Describe that feeling. I, mean, I am. It's, I'm, I'm telling no, you. No, you're the describing. That's, that's okay, so that, that's part of it. Butterflies. That's, the butterflies is the way that I feel. It's Because you can have butterflies in a new relationship, someone that excites you doesn't mean that you're in love with them. Yeah, but do you still have those butterflies 27 years down the line? Okay. So that's a little bit more um, Sacri- in-depth, Sacrificing right? what I have to give you is love. Mm. If I have one dollar... That's an action. Sacrificing what you have to give me. But that's... That's an action. I want you to tap in and think about how you would describe the feeling. What does it mean to be in love or to love somebody? Describe that feeling. It's a, it's, it's a feeling of, um, honestly, it's, and this is another chapter in the book. It's a feeling of not wanting to be around unless that person was there. A feeling of when you, when we went through our stuff and you wanted to leave. Me thinking that you're not going to be in my life as my lover. I never, I didn't want to be here anymore. You know, like I could not see myself in this world without you by my side. Mm-hmm. Um, Would you describe it as a need? It's a need. It's a want. It's a feeling. But only you can give me that feeling. It's a feeling of that when you say something, it hurts. So, for instance, if you have a problem with something, I feel it. Nobody else can give me that feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, a, it's a. I don't know because I can only describe it with actions and how it makes me feel and what I want to do and the excitement I get. So to explain what love is, like is, you know your love language, but I've never asked you how do you actually define love. I mean, it's. It's a feeling of need and want and wanting to fuck you anytime I come to Okay, the that's okay. It's a feeling All right. of wanting to look wow. great. It's a feeling of wanting to please you sexually, emotionally, and mentally. It's a it's a feeling of just wanting to see you smile. It's a feeling of just wanting to hug you and be all over you all the time. It's 
it's a feeling of wanting to be your crutch when things are wrong with you. If, you know, if there's a problem that want to be there with you, it's a feeling of when you're hurt, wanting to take that pain so you never hurt, so that you never cry, so that you never have those feelings. Uh, Yes. That's that. That's good. Now. I'm just, that, that's know, I'm the, just that, that's the answer. That's the no, answer. Tell you how I feel. What made you fall in love? The title of the book is "Real Life, Real Love: Life Lessons on Joy, Pain, and the Magic That Holds Us Together." What is that magic? What's special and unique about our relationship that, as you've described before, you don't feel can be duplicated by being in a relationship with another person. What is that special sauce? What made you fall in love and keeps you in love? <laughs> you want me to be real or not? Smack me in the back of the head. Those in front of that. Why are you staring at me all weird? What I answered. I said your titties. Come on, let's go. <laughs> your real titties? They're real. What if you might lay out on that? No. Um, I would say that I knew you were the one the first time I seen you, right? And I know people would be like, oh, that's so cheesy. But you just look like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in the world. Then when I got a chance to talk to you and we spoke, I just thought our connection was everything. We liked the same thing. We laughed at the same thing. We were goofy in the same way. Uh, we were both turtles when it came to sex. Like, I just felt like our connection was everything. Our bond was everything. We would have long conversations. Um, we'd be on the phone until one of us fell asleep. And then we would never want to get off the phone. You hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Like, it was that type of puppy love. But that puppy love never turned into tired love. Where it's like, I hate this bitch. Like, mm-hmm. To this day, we still talk all night on the phone. We still talk. We still cuddle. We still do the things that corny couples do. Um, our bond is like no other. Like the fact that I know that, you know how they say, I don't have to worry about somebody talking bad about me in front of you. You don't have to tell me if somebody's talking bad about me. You're going to handle it yourself. Right. That's the type of bond that we have. That's the type of love that we have. That's the type of feeling that we have. That the fact that when it comes to you, you don't play about your, your, your man. Like, no way. You ready to fight? You ready to take off your jewelry? It is what it is. Um, and that love, I feel like a lot of people don't have. I've never felt that before. I never felt a connection where I can finish your statement. You can finish my statement. Like, we can go to a restaurant and I can order food. And when you come here, you get your food and you know exactly how you'd like your steak with, you know, salt and pepper with extra salt and pepper and butter. Like those are some of the things that our bond does. Our connection is like no other. Um, and spiritually, we, we, we align on the same things as far as spirituality, you know. Um, and I don't think a lot of people have that same connection when it comes to emotionally, physically and spirituality. Um, and we're willing to, to fight for each other. Mm. Thick and thin, we will fight. Mm-hmm. What role do you think friendship plays in a long-term relationship or a marriage? I think friendship kept our relationship together because we are friends. I mean, we were talking the other day and, you know, we were just saying like, 
if something serious happened, who would you tell? And he was like, you. And he was like, who would I tell? I'd be like, you. It's like we're friends and true friends in the sense of it. Like we're really best friends. So when it comes to our relationship, like we really care about each other's well-being. We really care about how we feel, how our mental state is. And I, and I don't think you get a lot of that because even when you're upset and that's when you can see the, the true person, when somebody's mad at you and ain't fucking with you and they still care about you, that's who they really love you. Because I could, Gia could be to the point where she ain't fucking with me at all, but she's still going to be like, babe, get up. Baby, it's time for you to get up. You got to catch your flight. Like she's still going to be there, babe. Babe, get up. Go take your vitamins. Babe. <laughs> I ain't fucking with you, but I cook for you. Your place downstairs in the microwave. Like she's still like that. And I don't, I don't think you get that with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the most difficult part of the book for you to write? Uh, to write or to read or just a part of the book? Um, to write, to read part of the book. Yeah. Um, of course, the most difficult part was reliving a lot of that book especially the, the cheating and, and how bad that I, I it hurt you. But that wasn't the worst part for me. The worst part was reliving when you got your face cut. Rereading that and what happened, those girls' reaction, and the fact that, that I drove you home every day and that one day I didn't drive you home because I had to go to work. That's the day that it happened. How those girls tried to take your quote unquote beauty away. How I wasn't there to protect you. How I wasn't there to save you. How I just wasn't there. I still think about that every day. And how I feel like I didn't get my revenge. And you know, I'm big on revenge. You know, I'm petty. Like I didn't get, like the court system, they got their revenge, but I feel like I wanted to see pain. Mm -hmm. I know it's a little morbid, but that's being honest. So that was the hardest part. Yeah, it, it, to this day, like if you if you if you pick up the book, you you actually see the picture of Gia getting. You'll see the cut that you know when she got cut. She had she took a picture uh, that they actually used in court. We put that in there because we felt like we wanted you to feel what we felt. Uh, I, I I skipped that page. Even even I and I had to read it because we did the audible, so we had to go over it. So I had to look at it. But I told myself after this, I'm never gonna talk about it again. I just don't like it. Gives me a right now. It gives me a funny feeling in my stomach. I know. You said that after you had to reread the book for Mm -hmm. the final proof, and when you had to read the book aloud to record the audio version, you said that consuming the book in its totality within like two or three days and reading our work back to yourself. You said that it gave you a greater respect and a deeper love for me and our relationship. Why? Oh, that's easy. I mean, because when you write the book, you're writing the book in chapters. So you write a little bit today, the next week you write a little bit, then the next week you write a little bit. And you forget myself. I do so much in life, in this world, that you forget about everything. Mm -hmm. But then having to read that book, like for six hours a day, first I realized I can't read. (laughs) <laughs> reading is fundamental it, I was sitting there like this is shit is a fucking and it's stuff that you wrote I know, right? <laughs> yeah. but still I'm like fuck this is a lot of reading but then I realized you, you, you consume that book all in three days and you consume all the bullshit that I put you through and all the the problems I was and the toxic relationship that we had and the fucked up shit you'd be like god damn she motherfucking stayed 
Like you realize, like nigga, you are an asshole. You was a dickhead. Like, and then and then you know most people are like no, it wasn't that bad. But I always say to like I always say to people like this: Imagine you were dating your daughter. Would you want your daughter to stay or leave? Because I want my daughter to run, run, motherfucker, run, run away mm-hmm. from that crazy ass nigga. Mm-hmm. But you didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to relive all of that in that two hundred and eighty-seven page book again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot. So. You just mentioned that I stayed. Yes. Right? What do you have to say? How do you feel about people actually? Do I want to rephrase that? No, I'll ask it that way. How do you feel about people that claim or believe that I stayed for the money? I think you did. Well, then damn it, it paid off. (laughs) (laughs) No. um, You know, at first... First, first let me ask you, uh why do you think that I stayed? Because of the dick? There was that. There was definitely No, no, no. (laughs) Well, first of all, I would say that, you know, it it used to bother me when people would be like, oh, she stayed for the money. Um, Then that bothers me because I, I, I think it takes away the reason that you did stay mm-hmm. and the journey that we did go through and my work and efforts that I put into try to get our family back together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it bothered me because we have a history. I like to say I was 16, you was 15. When we first started our life and our everything, you were the one making the money. You were the one that was holding me down. You was the one that was letting me drive your Cadillac Escalade. You was the one that was buying me uh, $300 order for needles, Concord needles. You were the one that was supporting me. Um, when you got pregnant, you had a great job. You were making more than me at the time. Um, and that just bothered me because it wasn't like, all right, well, you make a lot of money. I'm staying. No, it took a lot of work. It took a lot of praying. It took a lot of, of us having conversations. Um, so that's why it bothers me. It wasn't just as thick as, as easy as, oh, this nigga got money, I'm staying. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. So when people say that, it makes you feel, it makes me feel like, nah, she just there because because you got if you got money. Because if you didn't have money, she wouldn't be here. And that bothers the shit out of me. Does it make you feel as though it takes away from you as a man or you as a human being? Um, thinking that because the question kind of suggests that you wouldn't be worthy of staying with no, I if think it, it wasn't for monetary it takes away our bond it takes away what we built it takes away what we're building mm-hmm. um people don't know we've had money and then we, one time we didn't have money one time we was living check to check and that one time did i ever have the fear of oh if i don't make this money she's out that might be your relationship but that ain't mine mm-hmm. our relationship gear is gonna be like you know what what we need what here here take this ring Take my bags, give it all that shit. We don't need none of this shit. All we need is our family. They don't see that side. They see the cute side on Instagram where you got your Birkins and your jewelry and your chains and that's cute and your nice cars and that's cool. But they don't know at the end of the day, and that's why I think it's it's great that we wrote this book, that we don't give a fuck about none of that shit. We don't give a fuck about a bag. We don't give a fuck about a pair of shoes. We don't give a fuck about a piece of jewelry. We don't give a fuck about a house, a car, or nothing, none of that shit. The only thing that matters to you and the only thing that matters to me at the end of the day is our family is together. 
That's it. At the end of the day, if we lost everything and we lived in a one-bedroom shack and our family was together, we'd be motherfucking happy playing Monopoly all night long. That's us. That's the side that people don't see. So when people say that, I feel like it's, it's a smack in the face. I feel like it's, it's, it's a Will Smith to Chris Rock slap in the face. Don't, you know what I mean? And that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. So you feel like it takes away from what's actually authentic. Absolutely. Between us. Um, what do you think is the biggest misconception about you? Uh, I don't know. I would have to ask you that. I don't, I don't, I don't know. There's so many misconceptions about me, so many different things that I hear and see, but you know me, I don't really read none of the, the Instagram shit. Like I don't, I don't jump into that. Um, I don't know. You don't know. The biggest misconception? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What, what, I mean, what are the conceptions? I mean, that I'm emotional. That's true. <laughs> oh, so there are no misconceptions. <laughs> I like money. That's true. Uh, I love my wife. That's true. I love my family. That's true. I would fight for them. I would slap a nigga for them. I would shoot a person for them. I don't think there's any misconceptions that I don't, they don't get. Okay. If you could do anything over mm-hmm. in life, what would it be? If I could do anything over. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a difficult one. I think about that a lot. And I think about if I say, yes, I wanted to do something over, would that change the trajectory of where we are. Would that change how we are as a couple? Would that change us? Mm. And even though we went through a lot of bullshit, where we are right now, feels so amazing. And I wouldn't want to change that for the world. We have six kids. We have a relationship that's amazing. We talk about anything that's bothering us. We don't let things get to a point where we can't take it. Like, I love our life right now. Like, we're not perfect, but we figure it out and we work it out. And we do it as a team. So I wouldn't change anything. I love, I love where we're at right now. Okay. What's the biggest difference between 26-year-old you and you today? My balls hang a little lower. It's unfortunate. Uh, well, the, the, the biggest change is, one, I'm not a right fighter. I try not to be a right fighter. If you don't know what a right fighter is, pick up the book and you'll learn it. That's one. Two, I learned to listen, not just react. Three, I realize I am worthy. Meaning, God put me here for a reason and everything that I do, I'm worthy for. And not like I'm worthy, like I'm worthy. Fuck y'all niggas. Like I'm worthy, like I'm not worried about losing you. I'm not worried about losing our house. I'm just going to be a good person and I know my wife loves me and that's one thing I don't have to stress myself about. So 26 year old, I was immature. I didn't think I was worthy. I didn't know what love was. 40 year old envy? Or 40 year old Sean? It's not as immature still immature at times. I ain't gonna lie. Still does. Still a little petty. I know what love is. I know what you mean to me. I know what our family means to me. And I know what my friends mean to me. I have a good question. What do you have to say to people who believe and say 
Once a cheater, always a cheater. Um, that's their opinion. I, don't, I mean, I be I put it to you like this: you may be right in your opinion and your decision and the people that you deal with, but for myself, I'm on a whole nother planet when it comes to my wife, my relationship, and who I want to be as a person. Uh, some people are, are, are stop cheating because they're scared straight. Some people start cheating because of whatever it is, whatever the reason is. But I just know for myself, I want to be a better person, not just to you, not just to the man upstairs, not just to our kids, but in life, I want to be better. And to me, being better just means being better whole. Um, there's nothing out there in the outside world that I want. The only thing I want is sitting right next to me right now in all this beauty with your beautiful toes and your beautiful ass and your beautiful thighs and your beautiful lips and your beautiful eyes and your beautiful nose and your intellect and everything that makes you you. So do I feel like in all men is once you cheat, always cheat? No, I don't believe that. Do I believe that all men cheat? No, I don't believe that. But I do believe when that man finds his purpose in life and whatever that purpose may be, I feel like people evolve and they change. And when they do change, hopefully his wife or his girl or his man or, or her husband, her man, her girl is around for that evolution, you know? And I wish I would have matured a lot earlier in life. But if I did, would, would we be where we at now? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what life would have put us or what life would have happened to us. But to answer your question, no, I don't believe that. But I think people can change. I think people can evolve. Mm-hmm. Well, Rashawn, those are all the questions that I have for you this evening. Okay. You've been a stellar guest once you fixed up. <laughs> and Oh, nine inches. That was... <laughs> I'm glad you could join us today. You're not going to ask what nine inches was? The size of my dick! It was going so well. <laughs> <laughs> well, pick up so. and pre-order the book. And you want to see pictures? No, not of my penis. But we have pictures, actually, of the book of uh, so many different things. Uh, us as young kids and Gia as a baby, myself as a baby. So you can actually see our journey. This is one of my me DJing a Sweet 16 back in the day. Uh, pictures of our wedding. Uh, pictures of our babies. Uh so many cute little pictures. Gia's mom, my parents, Gia's dad. Uh, so much. So pre-order the book and we can't wait to have these conversations with you guys where you can ask us questions too. All right. It's time to get up out of here. Uh, Gia is going to do an all-girls podcast. So if you see it with the same outfit on, we're doing it the same day. Yes. Don't really worry about, about to it. pull up. Yep. And I'm about to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right, so I'll see Nowhere later. he'd rather be less. I'm DJ MV. And I am Gia Casey. And that was another edition of the Casey Crew. Toodles!